When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Enjoy. Thanks. Order breakfast at the McDonald's drive-thru. Tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work, but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot meal. There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. Hey, Craig, it's the hottest day of the year. What did you do to mark the occasion? Something good, I hope. I'll tell you what I didn't do. Drink much water because the water's completely gone and leaks up. <laughs> for Again? like, I think, the, yeah, the 18th time in about, you know, three or four years. Yeah. <laughs> so I spent the day realising how important water is <laughs> for like, do you know what? It wasn't so much getting water because like I just switched to coconut water because, you know, I'm a hipster twat. But it was like not having coffee. That, that's hit me hard today. And I had a fucking lot on. It was like a clusterfuck of a day. And I was like, Ugh, I have no energy. So right. that leaks up. And also, yeah, the, the dead heat. Like the cats are just flopped, not moving for the entire day. Is that a euphemism or are you referring to your actual cats? <laughs> it's a euphemism. I, I don't have cats, David. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, I am. Um, I got some bad news and I went and had four cans in the park. So get ready for that energy. Hit the show! Hello, my name is Dave Hanready and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 215 of the No Encore Music Podcast. As noted, it is the hottest day of the year. I don't know what the Friday of this episode coming out or whatever day you choose to listen to the show after that day will be like. Hopefully it's scorching and you're having a great time and you're gainfully employed. Anyway, on this episode, we will be reviewing the new episode from, uh, uh, the new album, should I say, from Bleeding Heart Pigeons, a Limerick trio. And we'll also be uh, delving into a bit of a niche concern for our top five it's the top five 
weird yet weirdly enjoyable subgenres. Anything else you want to add at this stage, Craig? Yeah, I will add that some of my selections are not weirdly enjoyable. I think they'll be enjoyable to talk about, but um, I like. I think I've two that are going to be soothing the listener's brow because I'm like, oh shit, this is like really interesting, and you can kind of dive deep into this. And the others are just weird, and I have things to say about them. Uh, let's just have fun with it. I think. Yeah, let's have fun with it. And I want to say thank you, by the way, to anyone who signed up in the last week or so on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash noencore, if you want to support the show as we hit the halfway point of a bizarre fucking year. Uh, There's a new No Popcorn episode out in your feeds right now. It landed on Wednesday. It's the assassination of Jesse James by the carrot Robert Ford versus There Will Be Blood, an episode that almost wasn't, but thankfully is, thanks to Dahi's immense Mr. Robot hacker skills. Check that one out. Oh, it's just unbelievable the, the stuff that the man can do. And also unbelievable, Craig, I would say this week, is our lead news story. How do you feel about getting gigs back on the road, literally on the road, as we all get into our cars, presumably in weather like this where we're fucking burning alive inside of them, to go to whether it's, you know, where 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 has been set up for this one? I I, I can't quite recall. Waterford, Kilkenny, Limerick Cork, and Cork. yeah. That's where All the Gavin biggies. James will be doing Ireland's apparently first ever oh. drive-in tour. It was announced oh. during the week that this will be happening. 60 euro before booking fee and car tax that you apparently have to pay for the pleasure of seeing Gavin James play a few songs. You can't leave your car unless you need to go to the bathroom. You can't drink or nor can your passengers apparently. And the whole thing just sounds very dystopian. I understand the intention here, especially the one of like getting artists back out on the road and getting people to work. But my reaction to this was no, please. No, you're grand. Thanks. Cheers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't drive myself. Dave, I don't think you drive either. Um, I sure don't. So we're a couple of the lucky ones, I guess. <laughs> we won't be hitching a ride to go see Big Gav. Um, yeah. Like I, 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 yeah, I like the, I admire the, um, ingenuity maybe like we did talk in previous weeks about i think uh in germany they tried some like car-based raves which seemed totally bizarre uh, i'm not sure if gavin james playing like heartfelt acoustic ballads to you while you have the windows roll down on a scorcher is more bizarre or less bizarre but yeah uh count me out the car tax um, is that to kind of circumvent any you know kind of backlash about um emissions or stuff like that it's, i haven't properly looked into the the taxing aspect of the details but i'm guessing that's something to do with that right because very i did fact. see initially sorry, no no sorry the, the very <laughs> sentence that just came out of your mouth the fact that you have to state those words in in accordance with potentially going to a summer gig I'm yeah like, get a summer <laughs> yeah Okay, listen, so there's been some backlash. I myself was chief among it on Twitter. What else do I have to do? Um, Gavin James himself, though, has responded, and he had this to say. Okay, everybody. So Live the Drive-In is announced. It's announced. It goes on sale on Friday at 9am. It's like 60 quid a ticket, which means if you have four people in your car, that means it's 15 euros a ticket each. I'm seeing loads of reactions on it. There's loads of different reactions for it. Obviously, it's uncharted territory, and no, it's it's it's. There's obviously going to be a learning curve with it. Just want to say that the main thing about this gig is that the industry that I've been in for the last ten years, and that all my friends are in, that all the people that I've known for ten years, my crew, uh, every single person that works in the industry in Ireland, it's a, it's a it's one step forward to them people kind of getting back to normal. So what it's all about 
If you love me or if you fucking hate me, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. It's not about me. It's about looking after the industry that it is. Because you're all going to end up going back to gigs. Gigs are going to happen again. And the people that are at the gigs need to be looked after. Because these are the people that are at the gig at the start of the day, in the morning, and they leave the latest from everybody. The gig doesn't happen without them. Gigs don't happen without these people. And we can't forget that because of this. So this is a step forward. I hope more people will join me in this, like other artists. And this, this is a, a short-term resolution for a problem. Or a long-term resolution, whatever, whatever it is. But it's, a, it's only a good thing. People are getting paid. Security are getting paid. Front of house is getting paid. Um, people who are telling you where to park your car are getting paid. It's a great day because there's two gigs, matinee and a night gig. So people are getting paid twice. And it's people that haven't been paid in months. So if you see it any other way, you're, yeah, I don't know what to say to you. It's a great thing. Um, I can't wait to do them. Hopefully there's loads of them. Hopefully everybody else follows suit that is an artist and, and, and that wants to give back and, and make sure the people that we need are looked after. So that's all I'm saying. So oh, that's, saying, uh, Dave. He said quite a lot there. <laughs> one one small step for gigs, one giant leap for gig kind as Gavin yeah. James. I do. Uh, oh, she's in the new. Yeah, he's a very approachable guy and he's yeah, I do like Gavin James, but like the start of that clip is like it's like a dude like in the local garage who's like cutting you a deal on like getting your car serviced. He's like, What I'll do is like it's the sixty quid for the fender and then owner, blah blah blah. And then he just kinda like has a breakdown and starts talking about if you don't like it, you can fuck it up. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it's like it's this wonderful like push for late stage capitalism where he's like, If you do the maths, yeah. you know, we can all get in the car and we can all like, you know, like afford this easily amongst ourselves it's just you know it's a few points that we won't buy in anyway and then yeah he has that weird turn where he's like uh if you're not on board here you're uh, uh and then like folds immediately and like uh, there's been some debate i saw there was on the neither nine instagram page uh james vince mcmorrow was wading in and he was making some very very valid points he was saying that you know we need stuff like this we need these gestures we need these kind of events because they are one step on the road to some kind of normality and crucially as gavin james again correctly outlines in what he's saying it will get people paid like front of house people and sound engineers and so on that are have been out of work and even perhaps on some kind of you know mental health level it will be you know gives them a purpose and like i'm not against any of this whatsoever my whole thing is that i just, I just find the idea of sitting in a car and not being allowed to leave the car as the sun bursts through the windows and Gavin James is in front of me on a stage to be just fucking like hell itself like I mean like it's just like yeah. no <laughs> I wouldn't and want to, to see be, my favourite like, band do it like it's weird that's exactly what I was going to say it would take a really special musical act like it's not so much a dig at Gavin James it's like it's such a bizarre setup it's totally not tailored to music Um, whatever about films you know and I don't even really like I, I'm shocked that became such a big deal like back in the day like drive-in movies uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood would have been a way different film if Brad Pitt rocks up to his trailer and in the background is a drive-in Gavin James kick <laughs> <laughs> but Dave let me ask you a question right would you rather spend one evening trapped in a car listening to Gavin James or 75 days stranded in a German castle with a Bolivian orchestra it's the second one, please. Thank you. Haunted Castle as well, I believe. <laughs> yeah, you've missed your chance. Um, so this Bolivian or orchestra group have been stranded in Germany uh, for more than two months after the country's closer borders. Um, the mu musicians, some of whom are as young as 17 years old, I love that line in the story, oh my God, think of the children, arrived in Germany for a spring concert um, as the crisis was beginning. 
it seems a bit late to be like rocking up to the country. Like it seems like they should have been on the ball and gotten out of there or not gone at all. Their are gigs were called the, off. Uh, are you questioning the admin and logistical capabilities of the Bolivian orchestra? Like, like you don't know what goes on over there. You don't know how they do things. <laughs> a lot I'm of work, I would imagine, yeah, I, would go into the travel itinerary alone. Pandemic or no. <laughs> they landed on their feet because they're staying safe at the Rheinsberg Palace. It's a 600-year-old castle, uh, an hour and a half northwest of Berlin. Um, and they've been kind of treated quite well by the locals. They're getting grub and everything. So they're actually kind of on the castle grounds. Like, there's a... Just kind of set up. There's a guest house on the estate. It's got a kitchen staff that's dropping off food for them. Uh, it says the nearby town of Rheinsberg has been mostly welcoming to the musicians um, before going on to say that they have mentioned that there's a dark secret that lurks at the heart of the village. Uh, it doesn't actually say that. But <laughs> yeah, it totally sounds like the start of a horror film. Well, they're surrounded by wolves in the countryside and ghosts in the castle. This is like the best film. This is like, okay, Green Room, which we covered on No Popcorn, I think it was like the 45th yeah. episode. Great film, by the way. If you haven't seen it, check it out. This is like Green Room, but somehow even kind of scarier. I don't know. I, there's something kind of romantic about it as well. I mean, outside wolves, inside ghosts. And we've got a fucking orchestra. <laughs> like, Yeah. The ghost is called Frederick the Great, by the way. Um Comed Martella says, a uh, 20-year-old member of the orchestra says, we all joked if Frederick's ghost is following us and trying to trip us up. I don't usually believe in such things, but it does feel as if there are ghosts on the ground. Um, <laughs> yeah, and like the fact they're an orchestra as well kind of adds to it. I wonder are they doing like haunting practice sessions? I have we, we have talked before about how like classical musicians are supposed to be some of the more crazy like just kind of hellraisers they party extremely hard compared to like your rock stars your hip-hop stars like they you know they work hard but then when they cut loose it's like all better off so i wonder is shit going down on the castle grounds that are like non-wolf or ghost related there's an absolutely wonderful quote from a member of the orchestra named Carlos who says, People back home think we're in a fairy tale land. I've had hundreds of messages telling me to stop complaining and that I'm living like a princess in a German castle. Carlos <laughs> said, followed by, We feel abandoned. <laughs> like, oh, that's not good. Um, I should believe the embassy is hoping to get them on a flight um, in early June. So. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be fine. I also want to point out at this stage, by the way, that um, I thought there was, speaking of ghosts, I think there's a ghost in my machine. Given that it's the hottest day of the year, my MacBook has decided to basically like sound like it's about to take off. So if you're hearing any kind of whirring noise in the background, I can't do much about it, guys. This is the Zoom culture that we live in. I thought it was a drill outside my window. Uh, so if that's coming up for you, you know, we'll do our best. Have, have you ever seen a ghost? No, I feel like I've, you've had a weird encounter, have you? I've heard weird stuff. I've never seen a ghost. I've definitely like like heard stuff before where it's like, okay, like I've heard a door open and close. I've heard a person go into a room and been like, oh no, like it's like one of my parents or something. I better make sure I'm pretending to still be asleep. And then I've never heard the reciprocation part of them going up the stairs and back to bed and then going downstairs eventually and seeing that there's no one there at all. I I've never seen a ghost, but I've heard some, I, I've heard some stuff I can't explain. What about you? Well, I haven't seen anything um, firsthand, but my godmother, I think you know this story, she has seen and conversed with a dead guy, apparently. (laughs) Like, this was back in the late 70s, early 80s, um, and she was working as a postwoman for a post, and she was like, I think she just kind of started on the job. Anyway, she she was delivering letters kind of around the flat somewhere near Beaumont, and, um, she was kind of heading off and she got chatting to this middle-aged guy, very friendly dude, for like five minutes. And he was talking about his son who also worked in on post. And she's like, oh, Grand Chills, I know him, I'll say hi to him, blah, blah, blah. 
she got back to the sorting office and your mom was like, my dad's been dead for 10 years. And I was like, I'm sorry, that is clearly just a practical joke. And she was like, no, it was not. It definitely was not. It's still being maintained to this day. I'm like, what? oh, you've um, you've reminded me of one I've heard before, which is like one of my sister's friends back in the day, like her boyfriend or somebody. You know, it's always like the fourth person down yeah. the, down the row. It was something to the effect of somebody was driving around in Cork or something uh, at like two in the morning one night back in the late nineties or something, and um someone was driving down the road and like a man stepped out in front. You know, there's no one else around, of course. It's like dead of night. And the car like goes, and like stops and, you know, the woman or the man and driving the car gets out of the car and says to your man, like, what the hell are you doing, man? You just like stood out in the front of the road. And the guy was like, you should re- you should really be careful when you're driving around here, you know? And they're like, yeah, I know. I mean, you just came in and nowhere. Like, what the hell? And he's like, no, 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 seriously. I died on this road. And it's like, oh. <laughs> Excellent. Fucking Twilight Zone shit. Uh, um, well, yeah. one man also, who is still... Oh, sorry, go on. I was going to say, when you, said, when you said my aunt was working, I was like, please finish the sentence with, as a waitress in a cocktail bar. Like, come on. <laughs> it's right fucking there. <laughs> Damn it. But yes, you're about well, to tell a story. Well, smooth link was right there as well. Yeah, one man who is still very much flesh and blood, thankfully, is Brian May. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. Um, because we covered a story about Brian May a couple of weeks ago where he tore his arse and, you know, it was he was grand, he went to hospital. We thought, oh, that's thanks funny. For, uh, Wasn't... Thanks for giving him that dignity there, Craig. Nice one. <laughs> okay, he ripped a muscle in his batok. Um It's come out that he was actually very near death after suffering a heart attack and he had to undergo emergency surgery. Um, so initially I was like, okay, shit, um, we did the guy a disservice. Hope he's all right. Seems like he is. He's been um, back on Instagram, thankfully, talking his, to his 2.4 uh, million followers. He says, I want to tell you the truth about what happened. Um, he said he, he was left unable to walk or sleep after the kind of rip happened while he was gardening. And then during examinations, doctors discovered something more bizarre and shocking. He'd had a small heart attack. And this actually sounds like one of those things where it's kind of a good thing he spiked his arse because, like, it meant that he got a checkup and it turned out that he had, like, um, kind of complications. There was, like, uh, like arteries, three arteries were congested and in danger of blocking the supply of blood to my heart. So probably something that was good that was discovered sooner rather than later, right? I think so. I mean, like, it's, you say we did him a disservice, but, like, so did every news outlet in the fucking world, because initially it seemed like a a kind of a funny, you know, like, at the end of a news bulletin story, and another news, Brian May just smashed his glutes wide open in a bizarre gardening accident, and now it's, it's turned into that bit where, like, Homer in The Simpsons is like, remember that postcard of that alligator biting that woman on the bottom? And Bart's like, that was hilarious. And he's like, yeah, well, it turns out that alligator was sexually harassing that woman. Like, it's that weird kind of thing of being like, yeah, yeah. we meant well at the it, time. Um, it's like that he's constant, fine, um, yeah, he is, that constant Limmy joke where anytime people post, like, funny kind of animal clips, it's like, oh, look at this adorable raccoon running through the streets. Like, Limmy will pop up and be like, I'm sorry to break it to you, but I've worked extensively for with raccoons for the last 12 years. And actually, that's a clear sign that it's in distress. Uh, probably um, went completely <laughs> maniacal and died shortly after this clip was taken. And people are just like, what? <laughs> it's the sign off as well, though, that you know Amazing. Brian May is in, is in perfect health because he's like, you know, I didn't die, I came out, I'm here and I'm ready to rock. Like, does every oh. fucking classic rock person (laughs) like do they have to include this i'm ready to rock it's like no you're not you're ready to go back and work part of the brand man yeah it's just like if you're 
if you're in that world for like decades and decades and there's so many sycophants and you're like fucking, you've got your own movie, of course you become that total caricature, right? It's like the Paul McCartney thing where he's constantly just like the caricature, chirpy Paul, like two thumbs up. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it's harmless, but it's, it must be deeply annoying if you're like married to them, maybe? Well, he doesn't know. He doesn't quite have his own movie, as we know from the raucous development hell that was Bohemian Rhapsody. Once again, by the way, a No Popcorn plug. If you've never heard No Popcorn before, the very first episode we did was Bohemian Rhapsody. So just type in Bohemian Rhapsody as you control an F in your no-encore feed. That's what technology does. And speaking of technology and getting around things, Taylor Swift has figured out an ingenious way to continue her feud with Scooter Braun by apparently recording another version of one of her own tracks under a pseudonym for the show Killing You. Craig, on a scale of one to ten, how little does this story interest you? <laughs> um, it, I'm going to give it a four because at least it supplied me with the information that I should never watch Killing Eve to avoid this. So that's like, I can chalk that off my list. Yeah, the track was Look What You Made Me Do, which is like the anti-Kanye kind of, I don't know, diss track, which is just horrible. Um, but yeah, it appeared on Sunday night's episode. Um and it, Swift tweeted that it was done by a band called Jack Leopards and the Dolphin Club. Turns out that that's not a real band. Instead, it's an alias for Swift. Um, she said she was going to do this anyway to kind of, you know, it's a nice little workaround for her not having the rights to the original recorded material. Um, and I kind of think fair play in terms of that. I mean, she wrote the songs. If you've got the loophole, use it. Um, I, like, I'm not going to defend Scooter Braun, but yeah, going to be avoiding Killing Eve, I think. Uh, apparently it collapses after one season, but what has collapsed but will be rebuilt is Primavera Sound. They've announced their 2021 yes. lineup and they've added a few new names. Did you keep your tickets in the end or what's your situation there? I did. I did because I just, I um, it was sheer laziness, Dave. I didn't look for the refund yet and I'm like, oh, I might <laughs> hang on to these now. Um, because it's most of the big names, um, Gorillas have been added. Um, Tame Impala has been added. FKA Twigs was added, Jesus and Mary Chain, Jamie XX, Charlie XCX. There's a whole bunch of stuff here that looks pretty There's a good. whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm very happy. I think Lana Del Rey was the only one, previous headliner, that wasn't um, announced. So seen her already recently. Can live without that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's nice to hear. Hopefully it's going to happen next June. Will that be all right, Dave? Do you reckon maybe? So in I'm about still not totally and, sure. Like. Yeah, about 369 <laughs> days time or so, you're going to find yourself out in the wild with people. I don't know. I mean, like, it's, I'm still seeing, like, a band I know that you like, uh, Rolling Blackout Coastal Fever. Have I got that right? Yeah. That the name of one? Yes, They've just announced indeed. a gig for Vicar Street for next year. I'm heartened. I'm heartened to see these dates being added. I also feel like, oh man, the admin, because <laughs> you're probably going to have to cancel yeah, it. Totally. Like, I don't know. I really fucking hope so. I know like, you know, we're in this kind of mode now where we're all like, I think we're through the worst of it. And then you've got the whole second wave business, which is almost definitely going to happen. I, I, I'm, uh, I, I'm, I I'm, I'm choosing to be positive, right? I really, really do believe that in time we can get to a situation where we don't have to go to a Gavin James gig in a car, you know? I hope so, but we'll see. Here, here. And I so, guess it is the thing of like, we're, sorry, we're all like in this together in terms of oh yeah. even the acts, right? So if you're a fan and something's been cancelled or kind of is delayed, it's not a case of like, if it's a one-off show that that happens to in like normal times, it's like, oh, probably won't happen because there's clashing dates and blah, blah, blah. It's just like everyone is on pause. So hopefully all the lineups will kind of hold and people just go, okay, we'll do it next year. Do you know what I mean? So hopefully yeah. that happens. And I feel like as well, I mean, like, listen, musicians, artists of, of every 
Stripe needs need your love right now. I think particularly independent musicians, and that's one of the reasons why this week we've chosen to review an Irish release. So before we get to the Bleeding Heart Pigeons album, which we will in a moment, I do want to take time to mention that on the day of this podcast dropping, uh, or SAG, the project of Jeremy Hickey, multi multi instrumentalist who's been around for a while now. I think it's his first album in ten years or something ridiculous. It's called yeah, Chroma. And it's out now. Craig and I have, ha- have spent the week listening to it. We figured that we wouldn't review it simply because, being honest, Jeremy's a friend of ours, and we, we know him from the Hot Press days. Uh, he's definitely someone who can get the Bantam-esque, nicest man in Irish music tag attached to him uh, because he's genuinely an absolute sweetheart. And as a result, I was like, you know, there's certainly an automatic amount of goodwill going in. I wasn't sure if we could really kind of stretch it over the bones of an impartial 15-20 minute review, but I will say it's fucking great to hear him back. I, I do think that Jeremy is very undersung in terms of what he does. Um, okay. And on this record, which I really, really enjoyed, like I the shades of uh, Craig's beloved LCD sound system for me, the shades of kind of fucking... <laughs> Pet Shop Boysy kind of stuff. He manages to kind of move between this kind of weird realm of like disco and really kind of interesting spectral kind of music, which I which I very much enjoy. It's a solid, very confident piece of work, and I, I think it's great. But again, me saying it's great, I was probably always going to like it. Well, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, no, it's it's a real kind of mishmash of stuff, and it is actually one of those <laughs> releases where I'm like, oh, I kind of want to hear this live. Like he's such a, a powerhouse live as well. You just know this is going to translate really well. There's great energy there. I'm with you on the kind of disco uh, inflections. It's very dancey. There's kind of jazz stuff going on. The likes of Leave a Light On, um, and yeah, it's just like a wonderful blend. Um, don't know how he quite pulls it off, but I've been really digging it. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, like you mentioned the live thing. It is a real shame, especially for someone like an artist like RSAG, because live, like he is, I know it's a cliche, but he is a fucking one man band. I mean, like the stuff that he does live is incredible. And I guess it's a strange moment for any kind of musician to put out a major release and not have the kind of additional aspect of playing live shows. Uh, so do take your time over the weekend to listen to Chroma by RSAG. And you've probably been listening all week to this album, which we will now review. This is Stir by Bleeding Heart Pigeons. was Bleeding Heart Pigeons. The song is Dig a Hole and then Fill It In Again. Something of a terrace anthem in the kind of, I suppose, Glass Vegasy kind of vein. Something of embrace in there as well. Definitely pointed kind of 80s gloomy melancholy maybe even a Bauhaus if that's the kind of stuff you're into also I described Bauhaus there in the most Dundalk accent I've ever unleashed ever. I'm not even from there I'm from fucking Drada. Craig who are these gentlemen and why are we listening to them this week? Um, Bleeding Heart Pigeons are um, a band with a terrible name. Let's just get that out of the way. Um, I checked. Apparently, that is a type of pigeon. It just has like a red chest. I don't. I don't know what the origin is. I don't need to know. It makes me think of pigeon detectives. And we can start a review by saying they're far better than pigeon detectives. Well, so. hang on a second now. <laughs> that's. <what> <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm sorry, I can. I won't put words into your mouth. I'm sure you have a whole section of that in your review. Um, these guys are a three-piece from that kind of um, bastion of great Irish music at the moment, Limerick. Um, and this is their second album. I have to say that the debut actually passed me by uh, a bit four years ago now. Is was the debut. It arrived on Virgin, I think, and they had some kind of um, typical major label issues and struggles and stuff. They didn't have a good experience, essentially. This is an independent release. Um, but they did seem to build a nice kind of platform with that debut. Um, and I, I just kind of went back to it this week. Um, it's actually a bit more complex and kind of layered than what's going on here. But there's a nice kind of platform, as I say. They've been around for a while. They were like picked as like ones to watch by Golden Plex and Stephen Byrne like ages ago, uh, alongside the likes of Hosier and um, some dude called Dahi. I don't know how he's getting on. <laughs> <laughs> and they do, they've kind of great influences. They are like doing that serious young men um, with guitars thing, which can totally seem quite po-faced unless it's executed very well. Uh, for me, when it's executed very well, it's a wonderful thing. Um, did you think this was executed very well, Dave? I want to say, first of all, what, what's really executed very well is the album artwork. And I know later on in our top five, there's going to be a couple of moments where this not being a visual medium may lessen the impact or dull it slightly. <laughs> but I fucking, I mean, like the album artwork here, it's got this like, you know, cobalt blue background, this fucking fire engine red aesthetic around the side of it. Even like the font on the album, like there's a hand with kind of red lines coming through. It's a wonderful spice of like Christaberg. And no, seriously, look up some of Christaberg's album artwork. This is a compliment. And also just that kind of like, you know, I, I, like it makes me think of films like Manhunter and Red 7, Harpy playing over the end credits. I think they're very, very deliberately steeped in the kind of new romantic, aren't they? Um, oh, totally, yeah. And I think it works for them. I think it's interesting because I think you can you can listen to the vocal and you can be like, no fucking way. Or you can be like, no, no, I'm totally in the mood for this. There is a, there's an argument, there's a room for this. I come back to like even Michael Broderick of Spies and his vocals where like it's that kind of very rich, very regal a bit posh, you know? Uh, I, I I say that myself with a fucking Dublin 4 accent, even though I'm from Drogheda, not Dundalk. And essentially, yeah, there's. I think you got to be in the mood for it, but this kept my attention more than it didn't. And that one that I picked out there, that dig a hole and then fill it in again, that comes quite late in the record. It's track 10. I love the fucking audacity of it. Like, I love the, like, it's just this, you know, to the fucking choir, to the chorus from the rooftops, heartbreak anthem. And I don't know, it kind of feels like maybe if this band were releasing their second album in 1985 <laughs> it could be a better time for them and again like that is record that you mentioned was highly acclaimed there's a been there's been a lot of buzz about these guys and i kind of feel like maybe they were swallowed up but i read an interview with the singer quite recently and he basically said that the major label thing didn't work for them and you know they were signed quite young uh, which can always be a bit of a trapping for any band but there's a maturity to the songwriting here that i love i do think that maybe they wear their influences on their sleeves a little bit too much to the point where it can become a little bit pastiche maybe in that 1975 way, as we discussed last week. But yeah. generally, I think these guys are on the side of the angels. Yeah, I would agree. Um, Dig a Hole is a highlight for me as well, but there's a the whole kind of catch of highlights on this one. Um, actually, that one gave me kind of almost Neil Hannon vibes because there's something kind of quite arch about how it's dealing with... The mundanity or maybe the kind of pointlessness of like relationships that kind of go nowhere or just you kind of think about what you invest your time into and just ultimately it's like, is it all for naught? Like there's a lot of that kind of thematic stuff on the record about, um, you know, kind of existential, existentialism, but brought into the kind of really mundane. And sometimes it, it actually, I think it's a bit claustrophobic and it's a bit... Um, 
it's not it doesn't exactly g you up but on a track like dig a hole i think that vocal works really well and it's kind of it's a wink and a nudge and it's 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 great i mean like the melody is very strong there's great hooks like abounding all over this record well, it was um like, it, it was it was recorded in a shed craig so yeah i think you have a, a natural <laughs> yeah, like an, galvanization of the sound they were out like on a farm or something, weren't they? It's like an agricultural shed or something like that. Um, yeah, I, like I saw an interview where there was talk of them like having to leave their coats on, their overcoats when they're recording because it was a draft. And I'm like, yes, that's how this kind of music should be played. It's pure like Echo and the Bunnyman style stuff. Um, and yeah, like they obviously tap into a lot of those tropes from the opener Bubble Boy you're immediately hearing kind of like Joy Division or like pornography era cure in terms of the post-punk thing. It's less industrial, I think, in Claustrophobic because you have that that spaciousness, I think, that The Shed gave them. Um, but for sure, you've got the kind of Stephen Morris, like precision tick. Um, you've got those quite like angular guitars. Um, but I think actually they, they broaden it out and while they could be quite straight ahead and angular, um, you know, spiky and flat, Actually, they add kind of nice textures and kind of great swashes um, from Michal Keating's guitar. Um, there's almost like a kind of limerick, um, like Noel Hogan Cranberry Singone, where you get the kind of like, it evokes like the Atlantic swell. There's some kind of great textural guitar going on. Bubble Boy, I was like, yeah, this is kind of, I really respect this. I, I think this is going to be a, a stand-up record. But then all for the best, I was like, oh shit, no, this is like a different tier altogether. Um, I thought that was maybe the best track on, on the album uh peach of a course great hooks as i said and there's a number of those kind of songs um real connection sounds like it could be a hit it's maybe a bit i thought it might be a bit lightweight and it's kind of i just because i think it it sounds like it's waiting for a vodafone commercial do you know what i mean maybe about 10 15 years ago um but elsewhere they do some some great stuff i do think at times the vocals are maybe slightly too polite and mannered and they're missing something slightly magnetic at the centre of the songs, um, be it thematic or there is kind of a a reliance on the humdrum and some of the lyrics can be quite um, cliched or the imagery is kind of stuff you heard before. They kind of lean on old tropes. Um, like on the title track, Stir, which I really like that. I love that kind of conceit. Yeah, yeah it, musically it's, it's phenomenal because it's kind of, you know, they're talking about this kind of stir inside you, which can be so evocative of many things. I think they're talking about like the pang of like, oh shit, like insecurity maybe. And musically, like it kind of evokes that as well. There's kind of roars the guitar. But actually, I think the lyrics kind of do a thing of spelling it out a bit too much. You know, like talking about um, thoughts kind of swimming around your head and being in a fog. It's like, oh, the music is kind of doing that. I don't need it kind of spelt out. And sometimes these songs are slightly too spelt out. Um but no, on the whole, from like the vocal uh, melodies to the guitar lines, there's some really great, like indelible guitar lines. That, like they sound like, has this been written already? This sounds like on first listen, like it's from an 80s kind of classic. Um, and I don't think they have, because I usually pick those out and berate the band for it, um, much like in 1975. <laughs> well, they did. I mean, like, like they, they did a cover of Love My Way and it's a really good cover. It's really striding and it felt natural for this band. It didn't feel just like, ah, look at us. We're doing an old yeah. Classic. Yeah, like yeah. it felt like oh yeah this this makes sense this could be one of their songs if you never heard it before by the original artist um i guess the question i want to ask then i mean like is there room for this kind of band in 2020 from ireland like i mean it's interesting that you know limerick obviously is getting rightly recognized in recent months and years for being uh, an eclectic you know electric music capital of the country particularly when it comes to rap and hip-hop 
but I think Bleeding Heart Pigeons make their case for good guitar music. And again, like, I mean, like, I'm sick to death of there's no good guitar music out there, man, Fontaine's. And it's like, no, 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 this is really fucking good. <laughs> However, do you think that it's maybe undone by its kind of homages to the past and tributes? Or can this be a, a new revival, so to speak? I think musically, it's like, it's right up there. And I think it's the kind of album that, you know, if it was 10, 12, 15 years ago, this album would be getting like, the enemy cover splash, like at a time when people actually read the enemy and, you know, it'd be getting a nine out of 10 review and like they'd be in, you know, editor's territory when they actually first broke and they were on MTV and stuff like that. Like, I think they're of that caliber. Um, there's definitely space for great music, of course. Um, but I don't know if there's going to be a spotlight on them because it just seems like so out of step with a lot of what's going on. Musically, it's right up there. I don't know if... Um, Lyrically, when people are listening to so much kind of hip hop and kind of big personalities and even, you know, a band like the 1975 who are dipping into a similar territory, but they're kind of, you think, working maybe for a lot of kids and people because Matty Healy is so open and he's talking kind of conversationally and, you know, he's talking about his fucking tucked in erect penis, um, but also politics in the same song and getting fucked out of it on drugs and just kind of oversharing. But that's kind of what people want. And this is like, there's no real oversharing here, right? Um, maybe to its detriment. Maybe it's that's a good like thing. It's a brooding record. It's yeah. kind of like, you know, and I don't it's mean It's holding this... a lot back though, I think, right? Yeah, you know what I mean? It's, I maybe know, that's like, what they're like, going for. I was going to say, like, I, d- I was going to make the lad in the smoking area comment, but like the lad in the smoking area comment always refers to, and this is very Dublin, I do apologise for anyone from Limerick or beyond, or even Dundalk. Um, essentially, you know, it's not the lad in the workman smoking area. It's the lad in the Whelan's upstairs smoking area. He's got a bit more about him. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And he's melancholic and he wants to tell you about his problems, but he also wants to win your heart. And maybe he will. Put a number out of 10 on this record, please, Craig. Yeah, it, it's. I'm going to give it a 7, 7.5. Um, there's some really strong stuff on it. Um, but yeah, like I, di- I actually do think... Um, the weather has kind of worked against this It really has. You took the you words out of my mouth. Like, this is, and actually also being kind of locked down. Like, I can see this being a great, like when we're back on the streets and it's like autumn and there's a chill in the air and we're feeling wistful and we're able to walk like under fucking train stations and stuff. I will have this on and I think it will click way more than it's doing at the moment. At the moment, it's maybe slightly too claustrophobic, but it's, now it's verging on an eight. It's a, it's a strong seven, Um, really good effort. And I'll go back to it. Yeah, I, I I feel the same, and I'm very much looking forward to those cold, lonely nights. Uh, I'll go 7.5. <laughs> it's really fucking good, and if people haven't heard it, they should. Next week, unless you have any objection, I think we got to go to Lady Gaga territory. Let's do it. It's a big comeback. <laughs> it's the big <laughs> it's comeback. Time. Yeah, it's to, let's pivot to pop again. <laughs> Lady Gaga. Okay, let's do it. I'm psyched. Okay, are you psyched for our top five this week? Uh, it oh, is, man. of course, the top five wackiest subgenres. I mean, like, are we saying wackiest? Are we saying weirdest? On Twitter, where I got like four responses because it's so fucking niche, what are we doing? I said <laughs> odd yet oddly enjoyable, perhaps, question mark. That's what yeah, I Yeah, I think anyway. just ones we want to fucking talk about, you know what I mean? Like, some of my choices are deeply upsetting, I think. Um, but, like, w- ones that just missed the cut, and they were kind of... I guess there's subgenres that are like, how are these actually things? Like, you know, there's a subreddit called, whoa, it's it's a thing. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'm just like, what? This actually exists. Um, I left out some genres, subgenres, should I say, because it's a, if they felt borderline unlistenable. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Extra Tone, Dave, which is like EDM where the BPM is 
put beyond a point that is like comprehensible to the human ear. So it's just like a jackhammer on like speed or something. And I was like, oh, I'm not like making people listen to 30 seconds of this. So it's like, it's so like, there was some, it's like Gabber, which didn't make my list, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. So some of this will be like in that ballpark, but you can actually listen to it. So don't worry. Um, but also I, I might start off and um, then finish with stuff that will kind of suit your brow. Um, old school kind of esoteric genres um will i kick off with my number five to give us a taste yeah yes please all right so this is slightly oddball it's a bit freaky but i've actually been enjoying it um this is a slice of catholic psychedelic synth folk That was, of course, Sister Irene O'Connor with Fire, um, taken from the album Fire of God's Love. Um, and yeah, I, I know you're starting to question why we're doing this because it was so niche, but actually this was a really worthwhile discovery for me. So I'm like, I'm just glad I, I f- found this genre. It was a genre I initially thought was a genre of one album, but I found at least three proponents of this stuff. Can I have the um, name Catholics- of this subgenre again, please? Yeah, it's Catholic Psychedelic Synth Folk. This is from the late 70s. This is kind of like outsider art, right? So it's, do you remember, um, by way of a different example, those sisters that were like forced to form a band by their like weirdo dad and they never got lessons. So they taught themselves to play like a tonally kind of free jazz. What was it? Like the Shags or something? And Kurt Cobain used to be really into them. Like I'm obsessed with stuff like that. Or do you remember Donnie and Joe that who had that like Running Wild album from the seventies? They like grew up on a farm and their dad built them their own studio and fucking venue. And they're like on the cover of the LP with like fucking Elvis jumpsuits and they've actually really good songs. <laughs> I love stuff like that. So it's like really weird and like why are they making this music? But it's kind of great. So this is this shouldn't work really, but it's kind of super listenable. It's kind of super digestible. It's very spooky sounding. The backstory of this is Sister Irene um, was big into psychedelic rock as well as Jesus, right? So she met this other sister um, in Southeast Asia, I think uh, Marilma uh, Labregat um, in the 60s. They were on two different missions, um, but they kind of bonded over a shared kind of devotion to music as well as God. Then they met up like 10 years later um, and the other sister was working as a recording technician in the Catholic Audiovisual Centre in like this homebush town. And she kind of upskilled and she was like working with echo chambers and stuff. And they reunited and just started turning out this weird, like dusty, like analog synths, ghostly vocals, things, weirdly waltzing things. There's a few other examples. There's a there's a record by an Emily uh, Bindiger um, made when she was like 16 um it's a really good song called old lace that goes kind of mad with the flute but there's like i think it was released in 71 and it's just again all about the weirder parts of the bible which is like the interesting stuff it's the kind of stuff i wish kanye was going to dig into on like <laughs> all of his kind of more recent religious team stuff but he's just like half-assing it and talking about really banal stuff but i like when you dip into the kind of mythology and go absolutely bizarre so yeah i love this there's a very filmic quality to it. I could see it popping up in a Tarantino movie. I guess the question I want to yes. ask, though, is you did say 
that you were so glad you found it. And I was like, what, like religion? <laughs> like, I mean, uh, here's my question, right? Uh, not to get into the, the complex nuances of religion, but like, are you going to now pursue this? Are you going to like add this to your Spotify playlist? I mean, like, like what, like, does this stop with the episode? Or are you on board? I'm on board, but there's such a limited catalog that it's kind of just like putting a few choice cu- cuts into rotation. I do think it is. Yeah, it is so filmic. It's stuff that, you know, should be on a soundtrack or it should be being sampled to hell in like hip hop and stuff. Do you know what I mean? Um, I actually think James James um, Blake grabbed a sample, if not from this record, then from the Emily record um, on What's the Catch, his last album. And you, you couldn't really... Um, work out who it was but he's kind of using that stuff i know there was an irish sample as well on barefoot in the park um so yeah it's it sounds like that kind of buried treasure stuff that's just really good nuggets so yeah i'll go back to it but they're like i think the journey ends quite quickly particularly with god for me but anyway good sound <laughs> okay well I, I know that a bunch of producers listen to this show so go and do likewise gents for me and my number five i've always been on board and i've decided it is a subgenre. hit it Fred Durst helpfully listing off all the genders for us there. Limp Bizkit and Rollin and the genre, subgenre, I should say. <laughs> Rollin still sounds great, I must say. Oh, I'm going to go in on new metal in a minute, but it it's kind metal. of the mall rats macarena, but it's great. <laughs> so when I decided I was going to pick new metal, right, I was like, well, I'm picking Rollin because honestly, come on, like, like you're lying to me if you're telling me that you heard that audio and didn't put a smile on your face, that you didn't enjoy it. It's it, like, it was played in my fucking local nightclub, you know, like that's how much it permeated. <laughs> so like, it's literally a subgenre of metal. Higgs earlier on was chatting to him and he was like, no fucking way, man. It's not a subgenre. It's its own thing. And it is its own thing, but it started as a subgenre and it's me. Yeah. And it's my list. And thus, it's on the list. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I think it works as a subgenre. Um, I think the one like caveat is that like metal has probably totally disowned it, so that that's probably where <laughs> the debate comes in. But yeah, totally, like it's a, a classic subgenre. I was contemplating putting this in, but actually, no, totally. At the time, I had the fucking, I had a couple of the records. I used to watch like fucking MTV, whatever TRL or whatever it was, and when this was in like the top five. It was exciting when the fucking video came on. It was cool as fuck. Like, at the time, it totally was. Um, so, yeah, and, like, New Metal's given us End Together now, which is incredible. And also, like, Deftones. So, thanks for that, New Metal. <laughs> well, see, here's the thing. So, I, with each of my of my subgenres here, I've I've written out a list of examples, okay? And for New Metal, yeah. I've written out Limp Bizkit, Korn, Slipknot, To A Degree, System of a Down, same. Deftones, not really, because people get really mad. Deftones fans get really mad when they get lumped in with New Metal, but they're kind of of that time. Spineshank, Disturbed, Linkin Park, Cold Chamber, Fear Factory, Mushroom Head, American Head Charge, basically everything that you saw on Kerrang! TV between the years of 2000 and 2003, uh, up to about then. Uh, look, listen, I've talked enough about New Metal on this show. We know I love it. Let's move on. What's your number four? 
Uh, before we get to my number four, uh, and if we're just kind of listing off reference points, I will say for the last one, check out Pastor John Rydgren. That's Pastor John Rydgren. He's quite good. Okay. My number four is this race. awfulness. I was on my way to the club the other day. This chappy stops me and says, I don't quite like the colour of your gypsum, or something along those lines, but rather in the modern parlance, I'm afraid. So I explained to him in no uncertain terms that a cut of my jib was entirely beyond reproach. And so I went on to explain what goes on. No coward of rap, I'm not blithering. The world of chap is what I'm living in. Spelled backwards means nothing at all. Can I uh, guess? Yeah, that was mis- can I, can yeah, I, can go I, on. Can I, can I guess what this is? Is yeah. it political satire rap? It's chap hop, Dave. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> that was Mr. B, the gentleman rhymer with Just Like a Chap. Um, surely you, you think this is like a parody song that went no further. But no, it's a proper subgenre of hip hop now, apparently. In England, of course, home of Brexit. Um, so, yeah, this is mixing hip hop from the wiki with elements um, from the Chappist and also steampunk subcultures. I must say, I fucking hate steampunk. How do you feel about steampunk? So my dentist is big into steampunk, as he once told me while he was operating on my fucking mouth. And he basically was like, <laughs> here's some photographs of me dressed up as a steampunk person with all of my rich friends. And I'm like, okay. As like a drill goes into my like fucking nerves. And I'm like, all right. Yeah. And then he's like, huh. You should have seen the women there, Dave. And I'm like, again, I just don't know I mean, if this fucking, is... Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, I'm all for like a bit of like retro futurism, right? But don't go back to the fucking like 1800s, all right? I don't need... If you're going for futurism, I want time travel and like space babes. I don't want fucking mechanical cogs and trilbies. Uh, I don't know if I'm so, with you, man. I mean, I, 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 I like the Bioshock games and I love the work of Guillermo del Toro, so... How about the how about Wild Wild West? You big fan? <laughs> I think that's probably the best cultural example. I mean, we all know that 1999 was an amazing year for film, but none more amazing than the film that Will Smith chose to do instead of The Matrix. So, <laughs> well, back to Chap Hop. Um, uh, to compound the problem, as you would have heard there, the ukulele usually features quite heavily. Um, there's other artists. It's not just this chap. It's Professor Elemental as well. DJ Watts on. A pop lock homes. It's just terrible. It's just really bad. It turned out in 2013 that Michael Gove, um, Tory minister dude, was a fan of the genre. Um, and Mr. B said it was ironic because actually he was poking, poking fun at members of the establishment, but said, oh, listen, he's a kind of non Ethonian, so he's probably like cocking a snook at like his colleagues. Oh, just fuck's sake. This really sits like ill with me, right? Because it's kind of taking hip-hop and saying, yeah, we're down with hip-hop, but also kind of saying, like, it's just a bit of a joke on hip-hop, right? It's like, we're actually the classy fucking upper crust and we're English and actually, you know, the joke's on the fucking, you know, African-American community a little bit. Like, some of the comments online of, like, the fucking subreddits of people that are really into this, it's like... They talk about it being both rapping and staying classy at the same time, which just seems very loaded. Um, give me actual hip hop. There's a lot of people into this that use fucking Esquire at the end of their names and no, nah, fuck it. Listen, man, if Michael Gove is a fan of what you do, it's time to rethink what you're doing. Yes, Number four yes. for me, New Metal Walked. So this could run. Don't go. 
that's Baby Metal. The song is yes, Gimme Chocolate, <laughs> a leading light in the genre of kawaii core or cute metal. Uh, they had a bit of a moment in 2016. Paper Magazine uh, described the Japanese trio as a signature brand of kawaii metal which fuses hard rock with sugary sweet pop hooks and on-point choreography. The girls have infiltrated an industry that's been notoriously hard for women and people of colour to penetrate. In matching pigtails and petticoats, Baby Metal is bringing heavy metal to the mainstream, or as they describe it, delivering the enchantment of metal to everyone while also shutting down critics who think girls can't rock. And there is something in that, because I remember around this time as well, because I think they played Download or something, they got a big mainstream push. It just kind of came out of nowhere. And they've since released a few records and it's kind of died down a little bit, at least in terms of the your general mainstream appeal. Um, although, you know, they've got some really fun songs and this is one of them. And the performance is, is pretty, pretty fucking cool, like the aesthetic, all that kind of stuff. Uh, there was, of course, something of a backlash from a lot of the dude bros in the metal world. And then you had the likes of, I think, Rob Zombie maybe was defending them. And then Rob Zombie fans were like, no, Rob, these are ridiculous women doing stupid things. And it's like, <laughs> no, not at all. This is a, a great infusion of the pop genre and the metal genre and just this kind of cultural explosion that really, really works. It's a lot of fun. I think, you know, people are like, oh, they're manufactured. Did not write their own songs? And I'm like, so? And they're like, oh, they're like, they 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 lip sync live again. I I I I don't care. Like Slipknot have fucking Corey Taylor's had fucking vocal assistance live. You know, it's it's like metal to me. Whether it's new metal or whether it's this or whether it's whatever, it's 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 so showy. It's such a pageant. It's so close to pro wrestling and classical music in terms of you know what is on what is in front of you you're going to a show and i'm all for stuff like this and this song is a fucking belter i, I can't claim to be a massive proponent of the kawaii core genre but i will say that um i have actually been enjoying this year um that kind of not amazing but still fun release from poppy you know poppy this kind of yeah is she an ai what is she type thing she's definitely in that kind of vein so i think when done well and it requires like deft production and probably a lot of fucking money but uh yeah works for me yeah i was kind of faintly aware of the existence of this prior to like this week but um yeah i listened to some of it when i was kind of doing my shortlist this week and it's it's really interesting there's so much like japanese music that i'm unaware of and like kind of intimidated by and realized there's like a wealth of stuff that i really want to dive into like i was trying to get into cornelius um well it's not trying because just he's he's great you get straight in um that phantasm album from the 90s is brilliant and there's so much stuff. It's quite daunting. Um, I don't know if Baby Metal would be my go-to, but yeah, um, I, I dug that. Probably wouldn't be there your was... go-to, but but you're totally right. There is, there's an absolute wealth out there of music. Are, are you familiar with Boris? Yes, yeah, yeah. I know Boris. Boris is cool. Yeah, not 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 Kawhi Core whatsoever, but if anyone has never heard Boris uh, Pink, that album, fucking amazing. Check it out. You'll love it. <laughs> Dave's yeah. guaranteed. There was... <laughs> I like when, because most metalheads are like the nicest people on earth. So it's kind of, it seems really awful when like fucking dude bros co-opt it. Um, so I was, there was some other genres I was looking at that were quite interesting. Like, have you ever heard of unblack metal? It didn't make it for me, but. So this is another kind of like Christian theme thing. And it's, it's actually kind of awful because it doesn't work for me as a concept. But it's like, it's actually quite metal because the proponents of unblack metal are like, mad into Jesus, but they also love black metal. So they've eradicated all the Satanism from the lyrics. It's the same vocals, but actually if you read like the lyric sheet and decipher it, it's kind of just like, Jesus is great and loving and a savior and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, fair play to those guys. Don't need to listen to it. One thing I don't need to listen to um, <laughs> either. I'm about to. It's my third choice. Yeah! I'm walking to 
Yeah, crunk core. Uh, that was that was broken side, which is a great pun. Um, Cyde um, with freaks. Triple um, X, of course. Remember, remember the I, summer of broken side. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, yeah, like you know, we talk about new metal, but this really is like the awful bastard offshoot of it, where it's just like, okay, we're not joking anymore. New metal is like fucking classic rock compared to it. Um, I was wondering if there'd be crossover on this one, Dave, because obviously it's taking Crunk, and I'm not like the biggest Crunk fan, but I, there's some bops there. I can Lil John with the best of them, but then combining it with Screamo, um, and you know, being combined by people that aren't good at either, <laughs> I think is the main thing, right? Yeah, I don't have this on my list. I not to okay. spoil, but I will say that there is definitely yeah. a link with something that's coming later for me. Okay, uh, okay, <laughs> it's not this. What's though. The- What's particularly awful about this for me is that, like, Screamo's um, a genre, obviously, kind of derived from hardcore. Um, obviously, it originated from the 1975's classic uh, People song. That's where it really took off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it stems from this culture that's kind of, like, quite straight edge and, like, moralistic and, like, spartan and emotional and vulnerable as well. It's, like, it was really kind of cutting edge. Um, but then when you combine that kind of, <laughs> those roots with crunk, which is, like, when crunk really works it's because there's great beats and it's like reveling in like excess and it's like life affirming but when you mash them up you get this really queasy mix of just like twats talking about the club and then screaming for no apparent reason and it's like cheap and brittle and it's like they fucking got like party lessons from andrew wk but things went horrifically wrong they just didn't understand the fucking messages. But is it, not meant, is it not meant to be a joke? I could never tell with these guys. I could not tell if it's meant it's to not, be some kind of MySpace side, commentary or something. You see, they maintained that they were in love with both these genres and they were combining something new. And they said, like, the backlash was... Uh, the backlash was huge at the time, obviously. There's, I've, like, some comments here um, where it's like... Uh, let's see. They're just that bad. They um, epitomize everything that music and human beings should not be... I believe that was The Guardian. Um, yeah, Off Maligned is the new metal of this generation. But Broken Side kind of hit back and they said, listen, um, essentially our fans love it. Who cares what the critics say? We're into it and we've had like fucking great success from it. So deal with it. But yeah, I don't know. It, it, it doesn't seem like a joke to me. It's If it's a joke, it's gone on far too long. The punchline is just fucking nowhere in sight. It's a subgenre. <laughs> Um, it's right up there with like fucking Grindy for me, where it's like you get these kind of UK indie bands just tacking on a terrible grime verse. And it is like, I think it was happening that time as well when lots of indie was intersecting with like hip hop and everyone was wearing fucking Kanye's shutter shades. And I might talk about that in my next election, but yeah, it was a bad time. I will say, I will, I will say real quick that like Broken Side Hit Back is the kind of headline you just don't see anymore, (laughs) (laughs) which is a good thing. So my number three, uh, let's have something a bit more credible, shall we? My nigga Taliban, Hydro came from Pakistan, stole three beers at the door, catch you later, man, I peel off, feel a buzz down, sunset, Trump bumping sideways, candy paint on deck, and I just want hydraulics on my motherfucking rider, nigga. I just bought cocaine from my motherfucking buyer, nigga. Paint the city red and start a motherfucking fire, nigga. Four wheels down the street, put on two 
tires, nigga. So that's a uh, horror, or as Colin Regan would yeah, say, please. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the song is Hydraulics, uh, a band that we actually interviewed on No Encore on episode 66 uh, back in the day. I saw them live in the Workman's Club that night and it was fucking amazing. And also it goes in line in line what Greg was saying earlier on. I, I share the sentiment about metalheads actually being the soundest people that you'll ever meet because you might get a boot in yeah. the face, but they'll pick you up afterwards. And that horror gig was out of fucking control in all the best kinds of ways. Great band. So this is noise hop as a genre and I want to give a shout out to Danny Kilmartin who uh, gave me that term on Twitter, which I, it's, it was one of the things where I was like, oh yeah, hang on. Like, I love this I genre. hadn't heard that term. Yeah. That's the yeah, thing. I I'd never, the act, but I didn't know the I'd, term. I'd never heard the genre before. So there's some examples here. Horror, Death Grips, uh, Kanye West, Yeezus album to a degree, LP. Okay. Pu- Public Enemy sometimes, Dalek, JPEG Mafia, some of Earl Sweatshirt and Tyler the Creator, uh, talking about the genre in a Vice article, <laughs> where else, in October 2015, the writer said, without Noise Hop, we probably wouldn't have had artists like Slay Bells or FKA Twigs. It's even arguable that the Noise Hop collage of Public Enemy paved the way for the Prodigy, which in turn influenced reams of harder electronic byproducts. Why has Pop accepted this noise? Was it simply a case of Yeezy taught me? Can we claim it back for the underground by making it more harsh and brutal than the radio can handle? It's up to the new beat architects to decide the shape of noise hop to come. At least now we see the path we came from in order to help guide us towards the future. And I think a band like Horror are a really good blueprint for that present and indeed future. Um, I wouldn't call my beloved Health a noise hop band, but they have that kind of, you know doom synthwave kind of 80s aestheticified thing i'm always a fan of stuff that sounds just with this kind of i guess production on it just like that glitchy stuff that kind of big booming stuff i mean like i I chose that moment from hydraulics in particular because i think it's it manages to capture what this band are all about it takes you somewhere you can see the imagery you're almost trapped in some kind of vehicle on a on like like on, on, on a terrifying night drive with them and it all sounds immaculate in your fucking ears. So yeah, I mean, like once yeah. I once I heard that term, I was like, oh yeah, hang on, <laughs> this is great. I love most of this. It's going in. Yeah, no, I I, I love it too. Um, I think why this works, where like a, a crunk core fails, is um, it's probably because there is like sonically you're kind of picking different genres, but there's a common ground right in terms of ethos. And I think like some of that um, lo-fi or maybe even conscious kind of rap is talking about kind of thematic stuff that vibes really well with shards of noise and stuff that knocks you about the head so it it coalesces just brilliantly in this doomy kind of heavy atmosphere it totally works whereas it's not just fucking chucking random shit together all right my number two is um it's a subgenre for sure it's quite or sorry it was quite mainstream um and i can't quite believe the heights this week that boy's a Hoxton hero, skinny fit jeans and dressed in pink How he just is, I can zeroes, as long as he owes to my drink That girl's an indie Cindy, Lego haircut, no good or dress I don't care, she thinks she's indie, how different is anyone gets? You get your skin tight, colours on the floor With all your white lines, every slide hard All the bad boys in your specs and that was Hadouken, exclamation mark, with that boy, that girl, and of course, a fine example of the new rave genre, um, which was all over the place in about 2008. Um, uh, do you know what? I like some Klaxons things, and I think they invented the term as a joke, and then it kind of, it actually was like the millstone around their necks that sunk them, uh, ironically. But you remember a time when they were performing fucking golden scans with Rihanna doing a mashup of Umbrella at the Brits. And you were just like, even at the time, it's like, 
Wait, what? How is this band doing this? Really? What? With Rihanna? Okay, fair enough. It's interesting. I feel like there's a pattern emerging here, Craig, where apart from your <laughs> first choice, you've chosen to just torture yourself for the entire week. Whereas <laughs> my five, pretty much all of them, maybe I stand over them as like, I enjoy this. Um, So I guess, yeah, what, what are we talking here? We're talking bands like does this offend you? Yeah. And Enter Shikari. Oh Even the names offend me. <laughs> yeah. Enter Shikari for sure. Uh, does it offend you? Yeah. We're big proponents. I think like Ting Ting's dabbled in it, right? With the worst classics like Shut Up and Let Me Go. Ever. Who you interviewed, um, by the way, of course. Yeah. I interviewed the, the guy in the band and he just talked for like half an hour, 45 minutes about... He was like settling old scores and he was giving out about the label and being very into himself and his kind of mystique. And yeah, we're a band on the run. And then we were in like Japan and yada, yada, yada. Just very serious dudes. Couldn't get a word in. It was fine. It wasn't the greatest interview ever. But yeah, um, so, so many terrible examples of terrible bands. CSS were another band. I think actually they had a couple of okay songs. But the thing about this was it just got so massive. It was like, yeah, so you're you're mixing... Uh, British dance from the 90s with like indie guitars it's day glow everything it just means you can't fucking buy anything in the shops because the fucking new line is all this horrendous stuff and you're just like please save me this was my my thoughts as a 19 year old um, and I can't maybe- buy anything in the shop <laughs> Is this is this why you picked at nineteen? It's all neon. It's all neon. What <laughs> happened? We were doing so well with our aesthetic. The the main problem with this is right. Like I think I think Claxons invented the term as a joke, but the man that takes credit is Connor McNicholas, who was um uh, editor of the NME for years, and is the most self regarding dude of all time. Have you ever seen interviews with him? I've seen a couple. He's kind of this almost cartoon character right i mean in terms of totally how is. he carries himself yeah he totally is and he just like is everything everything that was wrong with all that kind of scene building that enemy did where it's just like quite quickly you're like reading about these bands in the magazine listening to the tracks and being like oh there's no proper like actual quality here it's all just a bunch of mates and hawks and hanging out like you know back slapping each other like Connor McNicholas goes on to say like it's you know it's hard to separate the myth from reality but as I remember we invented the whole thing in the office and he's kind of like yeah we're doing it the whole time we're just like throwing fucking scenes around and throwing out names and it's stuck and uh, crazy days and I was just like fuck's sake like of course there's like some bands that were better than the tag and I do think Claxons did some interesting stuff that was like it was basically just our pop really with some dance elements but um yeah, it sunk pretty quickly. Like, I don't think it lasted long at all. Um, and that is a good thing. I'm just sad that we never got to coin any kind of cool scene names when we were in the hot press office. Uh, also, though, I guess oh, that kind of melancholy, that kind of sorrow is good for my number two choice here. So, again, you're losing something here with the visual, unfortunately. There's no way around it. But I will say <laughs> that if you can conjure up imagery of, like... Neon for sure, yeah. Neon can definitely go in here, kind of like you know. Uh, think of the film Drive. Think of um, one of the most well-regarded turned worst currently airing uh, television shows of the last thirty years. It is, of course, this.
Oh, my beloved Simpson Wave. It is, of course, <laughs> Vaporwave spliced with The Simpsons, a pretty much YouTube-based genre that first emerged around 2016. Uh, one of the comments in the comment section is a subculture unto itself. One of the comments is like, you can't be shown this, you have to find it for yourself, which isn't strictly true because Dara Grant of The Funeral Suits turned me on to this song. So this song is by an act called Home and the song is called Decay. Now, some guy, I think he was 19 at the time, some British kid called Lucian Hughes, uh, started uploading these videos with these kind of like, almost like short films comprised of Simpsons footage. Uh, and it's done in a way where like the colors are all washed out. It's, 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 it's really kind of fucked with and glitchy and just kind of strange. Um, the video in particular for this is called Crisis, and it's in that 1975 style, as all of this is, of, like, capital letters spaced out with single spaces. Yes. And yeah. this video, uh, which comprises of Homer Simpson, uh, like, and many of his kind of more uh, melancholic moments, dude, it is genuinely harrowing and, like, affecting in a way that I find difficult to describe. Now, I mentioned that the comments are a subculture unto themselves. You're talking, like, tons of emotive lost souls. We've got a lot of guys here, a lot of anime avatars, uh, spilling their guts, telling tales of, like, departed family members, friends in comas, sleepless nights at three in the morning with minds racing and futures uncertain. It appears to be some kind of safe space for like-minded sad boys, and I say that with no judgment, just empathy, providing that there isn't an inevitable problematic stream to the subculture that I admittedly have only really glanced towards on occasion. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, there's an excerpt here from a a magazine called Isotope, which is like, it could only really have come into existence because of the internet, this genre. It's a micro-genre of a micro-genre. It's sampled audio and video from The Simpsons, as I said. Like, um you know, like elevator music, electronic and new wave sounds, checkerboard floors, ancient Greek statues, other bits of cultural detritus that could be mashed together. While it's not a serious genre by any stretch of the imagination, some of the tracks can have a tranquilizing effect on the listener. And actually, weirdly enough, um, I noticed on Twitter today, Pitchfork reshared their article from 2016 about Simpson Wave. So I think for one time only, we've managed to influence them in a week where they didn't influence <laughs> us. Um, yeah. And also shout out to listener Maria of the show who also pointed this out in the Twitter comments, but do not worry. This was straight into my list when I started putting it together. Yeah. One of those good genres that is very much like, because the internet, like it is that thing of just like, everything is at the tip of your fingers now. So you can delve into any piece of nostalgia you want. And just like, you see all these kids like living in pockets of time that are like forever looping. And yeah, there is something kind of soothing about that. You can just cocoon yourself in like weird throwback Simpson stuff. I'll say no more about that. Um, I'll just go straight into my number one because it leads quite nicely. Vaporwave, baby. You're nearly simpatico. <laughs> my fave. <laughs> you went with a subgenre of my subgenre. This is amazing. Getting a micro genre. We should totally do yeah. a fucking podcast together, man. Oh my God. We should delve into all this shit. I, I reckon we should do it if we had any time whatsoever. Um, Like, yeah... <laughs> I, ju- I really dig this kind of stuff. Um, finally, after three selections that were pretty harrowing. Probably the first kind of genre that started as a meme, right? Is that fair to say? I guess so. But hang on, who is this, first of all, that we've just heard? 
So sorry, this is Saint uh, Pepsi, which is uh, like one of the leading lights of a genre, a subgenre that's pretty much dead at this point. That was Private Caller, um, along with Macintosh Plus, I guess my fave, <laughs> my absolute fave when it comes to this. But it's so like post irony that you, it all comes back around to proper irony. I love how it kind of fetishizes eighties like middle of the road stuff. The 90s, like, you know, gaming uh, aesthetic as well. Of course, like, hugely influential. You mentioned the 1975 and their kind of artwork. I was totally thinking of that. Even when you listen to, like, The weekends, there's moments of, like, the opening of I Feel It Coming is pure vaporwave where you're just getting that distorted thing. I was reading uh, an Esquire article um, about this from 2016, um, which is a must read, I think. I think it should be required reading. It's a, it's on the no encore reading list. That's how Vaporwave was created, then destroyed by the internet. And it goes deep, man. <laughs> Here's a little snippet. Vaporwave arose in reaction to huge economic and social forces that are still very much a part of our lives. Globalization, runaway consumerism, and manufactured nostalgia chief among them. So yeah, it totally is that thing. I love I love um how it's picking up on stuff that could be disposable. Obviously, you know, with Simpsons Wave, it's a beloved show, but like so much Vaporwave taps into like cheesy ads from the 80s. Um, like St. Pepsi has a really good example. Um, like Enjoy Yourself, that tune where like the video again kind of does most of the work for it, where it's like McDonald's old, do you remember the Mac Tonight ad, which is kind of like vaguely creepy? It's like the crescent moon headed kind of crooner. It's like a late 80s thing. And you just have this weird marketing campaign, slightly blurry over these kind of slices of samples and chopped and screwed stuff. And it's so soothing as well. It's all this such like soothing stuff to draw on. I occasionally go running listening to Vaporwave and it's no shame. I can absolutely picture that. I assume at four in the morning. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's the only time you can get away with it. <laughs> okay. So um, I had a really good run with my with my list there and now <laughs> for my number one i want to clarify i don't think this is good but i will say that um when you suggested doing this list the only reason i agreed to do this list was so that i could include this as my number one and again you're missing something with the visual but i promise you it's still good about the Ric Flair-esque woo there, isn't it? That, of course, is oh, Attack, man. Attack. The song is Stick Stickly and the genre is Crabcore. Crabcore. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was indeed. picturing the visual as that played and I was laughing. <laughs> so, yeah, the visual, for anyone who somehow does not know what Crabcore is, I want you to picture um, a time when Craig was able to shop in Top Man or whatever and they just sold exclusively black clothes, much like I wear all the time <laughs> as well. Picture five lads with the same long hair, angular kind of hair gun on, wearing skin tight black clothes, skinny jeans, and they're playing like 
<laughs> this terrible mix of like metalcore <laughs> and I guess rave. Uh, this song actually descends into a rave at the end of it, and they're the the guitarists in particular when they're really getting into the song are stretching their legs out left and right and throwing their arms down and hunkering into this position that makes them look like a fucking crab. Hence the name of the genre. Um, uh, bands of this style include Attack Attack, Asking Alexandria, This Romantic Tragedy, Design the Skyline, Previous No Encore Top 5 Entrance Confide, and I actually <laughs> did consider Broken Side for this, but I think you've I, I think you've correctly labelled them in the uh, Crunkcore section. Um, here to tell us some more about Crabcore, though, I went straight to the source of the man who introduced me to it in the first place, the man who was the very first guest on No Encore when he was back in Overhead the Albatross. This is Joe Panama and his thoughts on Crabcore. Good evening, Fibbers. I know, but seriously, hello to the No Encore listenership family. Thanks for having me. Um, Crabcore. Right, so the thing with metal is metalheads will always hate whatever's new. So the thrash metal metalers hate the metalcore kids and so on and so forth. Like, I remember for years, like if you had breakdowns in your music the thrash guys, the death metal guys would laugh at you or they wouldn't take you seriously. And now, lo and behold, you have loads of bands with breakdowns who are slagging the Crabcore kids and the Gent kids and whatever else. And it's all just a big mess and none of it means anything and you shouldn't take any of it seriously. Crabcore, I suppose, is just metalcore with, like, literally a different stance. Like, the, the name comes from the guys, like, who kind of part their legs and kind of gyrate to the music like a little crab walk um attack attack of the band that kind of springs to mind but realistically it's just metalcore with probably with guys who might have a slightly better dress sense than the regular metalcore or deathcore guys uh it started out as a meme and then kind of became a genre like synths got added and it's not even like particularly interesting musically it's just metalcore with an arpeggiated synth behind it there's nothing really special about it it is lots of fun to watch these guys on stage because it is so weird to watch this non-choreographed choreography um over music that would be considered satanic by your local priest um can't think of a band to recommend because it's it's pretty much all the same but uh yeah don't take metal too seriously please a man absolutely oh. haunted by the fact that he stumbled <laughs> upon crabcore and i pester him every now and then to talk about it it was funny because i was like oh joe will be like joe will have lots of lo- lots of like anecdotes and he just sounds crushed <laughs> he does but um <laughs> that's what the genre does you but but beautifully crushed uh, it was good to hear his voice <laughs> it's always good to hear his voice i think people desperately need to go to youtube and look up this video attack attack stick stickly because in the first 50 seconds zone you're just like holy shit uh speaking in the guardian in june 2009 john mcdonnell said if a band wanted to make a song and accompanying video that makes broken side look as banal as mark ronson cover of pell natini then ohio's attack attack have certainly succeeded their boy band screamo Eurodance blend comes across like a cross between enter shikari and the venga boys certainly their amalgam of auto-tuned emo vocals synchronized head banging puzzlingly bad miming haircuts that would cause even josh from the horrors to 
to raise an eyebrow and chart trance interludes is one of the most baffling things I've seen in the music in a long time. Crabcore is defined by the body contortions of the band's guitarists when they perform. The lolloping crab-like stance adopted while a guitar player shreds. Not dissimilar to a sumo wrestler having extreme muscle spasms while readying themselves to engage with an opponent. It genuinely is singular. It's hysterically yeah. terrible and I can't get enough of it, Craig. <laughs> so yeah, like to a lot of Joe's points there, it really is like the narcissism of small differences, right? But I think crucial differences with this subgenre. Um, yeah, no, I will say, I mean, you know, a lot of people say, uh, if you're not moving forwards, you're dead. I think there are people that probably listen to Shark Core, but that's not the no encore way. Um, so I say move sideways like a crab. Guess my vote. I feel like the narcissism of small differences has to be the name of a metal band somewhere. Like there's no way. <laughs> oh, isn't. definitely. Definitely. I was once uh, I was once in the Battle of the Bands back in the day, and I remember looking at like the uh, the European list of all these kind of like other stages, and some of the band names were astonishing. The two of the ones that I remember were like um, the Unkindness of Ravens, and yes, that's my favorite. Remember <laughs> the Gallery of Frost, <laughs> which I love. Blander. Where's the gig on? Ah, oh, it's in the Gallery of Frost, mate. This episode of No Encore was engineered by Sonic Architect Adam Shanahan. You can get us on Patreon at patreon.com slash noencore. Tell your friends about the show. Uh, other listening, I, I weirdly dove into these genres this week, so didn't listen to a ton. Um, there's a new single from Paddy Hanna called Cannibals, which is worth checking out. Ditto the new single from Denise Chela. It's called Chela. Um, I had a weird moment during the week where I was in my room and I could hear a neighbour blaring out um, Use This Gospel by Kanye West of Jesus is King. And I was like, oh my God, what a choice. Which made me then go onto YouTube and look up the original kind of version of Law of Attraction. And I blared that right back. And I was hoping that maybe it would lead to some kind of friendship situation, so which has yet to transpire. Uh, but, you know, we try, Craig. We try in vain. We do our best. I, st- I still remember, I think it was the day before that album dropped, and we'd finished the show. I was on a bus sending you fucking YouTube links of of that version and being like, there's still hope. This is great, man. Like, this could be a really good album. And you're like, fucking hell, yeah, this is potential. And then we got the end product and we're like, what? I also so want to mention in a week where The Blaze, remember them? They did this kind of like incredible Blaze-like performance atop the fucking Alps or something as a camera like spins around the whole time as the sun rises. And it's one of the most beautiful looking things you'll ever see. It was like put out on their Facebook page, but unfortunately the audio is kind of shit. Like it's clipping all the time and it's kind of like, ah lads, can someone please fix this? And I don't think they have. Um, But it made me kind of go back to a song I've been listening to on repeat now for the last kind of week and a half or so. And a listener to the show, Keen, I meant to include it last week and totally forgot to because I'm a bad person. Uh, The song is called Moon and it went like... The artist is Kid Francescoli. I'm sure I'm uh, getting that wrong. And the album's called Play Me Again. Just a really perfect for this time of year kind of summer song. Very blazy, very kind of, you know, cool hipster charm. Apathetic as all hell, but in all the right ways. Uh, it led me to kind of listen to some other stuff on the album. And the track that immediately follows it is a song called Come Online, which is one of the worst songs I've ever heard. But definitely check out the <laughs> other one because it's fucking great. What about you? Yacht Rock again, is it? Um. <laughs> no, I've actually moved away from Yacht Rock the last couple of days. I uh, just needed a breeder. Um, you know that, like, hashtag Tim's listening party that like Tim Burgess is doing, which is, like, every night he's playing an album and, like, the fucking... <laughs> it's a Steely Dan update. Um, <laughs> like, he, the band are kind of, like, chiming in with tweets about how they made the fucking album and blah, blah, blah. I've been avoiding it, like, the plague, right? I muted that but, hashtag, like, weeks ago, yeah. 
yeah, but I didn't mute it. And one of the albums that popped up was The Horrors, Primary Colours. And I was like, oh, I haven't heard that in ages. I'll put it on just separately. And I did. And it's still magnificent. See Within a Sea, that outro, that might be one of the great closers of all time. And I say that now, just realising that's probably a top five we will do. I don't know, that might be on the short list. But yeah, uh, Primary Colours, what an album. Do you want to do album closures closures next week? We don't have a top five picked. Will we do it? We did. I think so. We did open a couple weeks ago, didn't we? Like we did. Yeah. So I suppose. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. I'm up for that. Uh, Thank you very much, Craig. Thank you very much, Adam. Thank you very much, listener. My name is Dave Hanratty. There will be no encore. There has been no encore. I keep getting that wrong. I used to be really good at it, but you know, four cans of beer, guys. I'm doing my best. Stay safe out there. Bye. podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.